The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We're going to get you caught up on the Milwaukee Brewers. Maybe you were a Bucks fan and now you're tuning into Brewers. Maybe you're just getting started into baseball as we get closer to summer. We're going to answer all your questions about the Milwaukee Brewers, things to know about both the offense and the pitching staff. Should be a fun show. Uh, we'll also chat about the Boston Celtics losing to the Miami Heat and why it poured some salt into the wound for Bucks fans. And then lastly, um, as part of a Chuck's Corner, we're going to do observations from AmFam Field. As I was at my first Brewer game of the season yesterday, um, and so some of the things I saw, so it, like baseball game, man, you always have observations. It's always fun to talk about them. Uh, and I had a cast of characters around me. so that's And that's always good. Um, it's always good to have that. It builds content for things like a podcast or a blog. Speaking of which, uh, we have Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Uh, we also are kind of starting to blog again. So tappingthekegsports.com. Uh, if you are into the written word, we had a Zach Davies thing kind of go viral, which was great in our world. Um, not necessarily like viral, viral, but in our world, it went viral, which is cool. Um, so make sure you check that out. Um, I guess I'm a gossip columnist now, so I'm going to have to look for more stories like that um, if I can find them. But they're probably more few and far between than you think. Uh, also, too, uh, make sure that you are reading and reviewing if you're already subscribed. If you're not subscribed, if you're new to the program, um, make sure you do. Um, whether we're at Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcast, anywhere else that has an RSS feed, we are there, um, and if you are subscribed too and you decide, I don't want to do any of that, maybe just share with your friends. Be like, hey, are you looking for some extra brewer content? Are you looking for something, you know, 20 to 30, nah, maybe not 20, but 30 to 40 minutes every day? At least um, these guys are worth checking out, um, a little different than what you're hearing on sports radio. All right, I've talked enough. I've done enough promoing. Let's get into the show and talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. There are fans who do not necessarily go all in on a season. I think the Green Bay Packers, it's natural. I think because there are 17 games in the season that people are sucked into the Green Bay Packers the first week of the year. People freak out if Packers lose a game. Or who can forget how bad the Packers played in week one and everybody lost their shit. I mean, if you took takes from me, if you took takes from anyone after week one, they were probably really ugly. But... The Packers playing one game is like the Brewers playing six or seven. I think it's actually more. I think it's like 15. It, there is a stat out there about that. So that's probably why a lot of people don't necessarily tune into the Brewers right away. At the same token, there's the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the Milwaukee Bucks were expected to make a long playoff run, and people are like, all right, we'll become Brewer fans after the Bucks are over. Now, that could have meant the Milwaukee Bucks were playing into June or July, and then people weren't really tuning into the Brewers till July 4th. But people are in on this Brewers season. I mean, look at the attendance of loan the last two days. Now, granted, the weather was great on Monday. It was not so great on, on Tuesday. But they had twenty-five to 30,000 fans from Monday and Tuesday game against the Atlanta Braves. Now, the Atlanta Braves bring a lot, right? They're the world champions. They're a team that knocked out the Brewers last season. They were formerly um, the... Milwaukee team, the Milwaukee Braves, and so some of the very old people, not even boomers, probably 
pre-boomers. I don't even know. I forget what the generation before boomers are called. The greatest generation? I think that's what they're called. Uh, the greatest generation. They remember the Atlanta. They remember the Milwaukee Braves, and some of them are still Braves fans. There were a few Braves fans throughout the crowd. Admittedly, it was a little cringy when they stood up to cheer for Marcelo Zuna, but we'll put we'll highlight that in the observation section of, of the podcast. So yes, there there are people that are in on this season, but the casual fan might have waited until the Brewer, the Bucks were over. And because the Bucks are over, now people are tuning in, they're watching Brewers baseball. You have to do more on Bally than you did with the Bucks. That is a challenge for a lot of fans. I would recommend your if your parents have a cable service, just use their cable login. If they don't have a cable login, set it up for them. And then you can basically use Bally to your disposal. If you don't have Bally, um, you can definitely listen on the radio. Free plug for the TMJ app where you can listen to the Brewers in the five-county area um, whenever you want. Um, so you do have that option. So that's always there for you if you can't get Bally on your TV. So there are multiple ways to watch and enjoy the Brewers. And there are some fun series coming up. I mean, this Brave series has been good. Uh, the finish it up this afternoon against the uh, with Corbin Burns and Max Freed. Probably not going to go well for the Brewers, but you never know. Um, and then they have the San Diego Padres next week. Um, they also are playing the Cubs and the Cardinals next week. So there are a lot of good series in the Padres again um, at Miller Park. So there are a lot of things that are exciting that are on the precipice here for the Brewers. So what are some things to know about this team? Like What's going on? Like Catch me up on this team. Okay, I can do that. I can help you out. I can get you all the things you need to know about the Milwaukee Brewers. So you're basically right into the mix as the as the year goes on. For the pitching staff for the Brewers, the pitching staff is still the calling card of this team. The, the pitching staff is definitely what people talk about when you talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. If you had one take for each team, the Brewers would be defined by their pitching staff, both at their starting rotation as well as the back end of their bullpen. That's what people will be talking about. Corbin Burns is still really good. Corbin Burns has a 1.7 war. He hasn't necessarily got the run support that he would probably like, but Corbin Burns is absolutely a shutdown pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Nothing has really changed there. Corbin Burns still looks like an ace, feels like an ace, and pitches like an ace. So that he hasn't necessarily missed a beat. The Cy Young stuff didn't necessarily get to his head. Not that I think any of us thought it would. But yeah, Corbin Burns is still a beast, and that has been shown out through the first six weeks of the season. Josh Hader has not missed the save yet. Josh Hader is 14 of 14. He has been absolutely dynamite so far this season. I don't think a player at his position could get a Cy Young Award, award, but I do think Josh Hader will be in the mix as this save streak continues. I think it's an alternative thing. I think it's something that in the hot take culture that we live in, somebody could propose the idea that Hater should win Cy Young and that's almost like this culmination award. I could definitely see the argument, but I don't necessarily think Hater will actually win Cy Young. It would have to take, it would take like an A, him not necessarily blowing a save and him saving 50 to 60 games. I think that would be how you put Josh Hader into the conversation of a potential Cy Young Award winner. Eric Lauer has been special this this year so far. He's been a really nice surprise. The wheels kind of fell off for him in Miami. Um, I, some of it wasn't his fault, 
But yeah, I mean, and that's okay, right? Like, I think with baseball, one of the things that you have to do as a fan is you can't expect these guys to be gods every time out. I mean, Corbin Burns, sure, you can see that because the guy won a fucking Cy Young. Josh Hader, again, dominant pitcher. You expect him to be dominant almost every time out. And when he isn't, I think it's annoying and it's like, God, bad hater day. Like, it, it basically, you're like, it's not going to happen again. So, like, if Burns blows up today against the Braves, I don't think any of us are worried that Hater is going to blow up again. Or, I'm sorry, Burns is going to blow up again in his next start. I think that would be kind of stunning. And then you then you kind of are like, are you sure you're not worried about it? But, yeah, Eric Lauer has been really good. Um, Eric Lauer has been a nice surprise. I hope that Eric Lauer's first month of the season is more what he is and this may thing was a blip um and and you don't know maybe it kind of balances out right because eric lauer i think everybody assumed him to be a fourth or fifth starter you assume that if he struggled that a guy like aaron ashby or ethan small who's been really good in triple a would come up and sort of take his spot and challenge him all three are lefties but eric lauer has sort of withstood that pressure and has been really good for the brewers and he hopes to continue it. He's going to get a chance against Washington at home. Uh, I believe he'll pitch Friday. And so, yeah, we'll see what Eric Lauer can do. We'll see what he is made of, and we'll see if he'll he'll be able to bounce back against the Miami against the Washington Nationals after a bad Marlins start. Fred Peralta has been a mixed bag. Uh, Fred Peralta was amazing on Monday. He had ten strikeouts. He had forty swinging strikes. He allowed two hits. Like the guy was completely in the zone. Now, that has not been the case all year. Freddie's had some struggles. He really can't pitch against the St. Louis Cardinals. He has to figure that out. Like, that, that's one of those things that has to be figured out. Like, you're not going to have the Cardinals go away. You can't avoid the Cardinals. You're always going to see the Cardinals. You're going to probably face them at least three times. Um, and so, what could you do differently? How can you pitch them differently? How can your approach be different so that the Cardinals don't completely jump all over you because that has happened to Freddy Peralta way too many times. But regardless, he still shows the signs of the potential. The potential is there for Freddy Peralta to be an ace. I'm not saying he's going to ever be Cy Young, but he was so good last year and you kind of saw some of that on Monday with Atlanta. So we'll see if he can follow it up against Washington on Sunday. I'm not expecting Freddy Peralta to go lights out and strike out 10 and only allow two hits. Like, Basically a carbon copy, but if Freddy Peralta's good, doesn't allow a first inning run, goes six innings, strikes out eight or nine, I think you can say, all right, now you're starting to see that 2021 Fred come back to life. Brandon Woodruff has been struggling to start the season. Uh, He did pitch okay uh, in Miami on uh, Sunday, Uh, but yeah, Woodruff has not been very good. Uh, So hopefully he can kind of get his shit together. Um, Hopefully it's just a blip on the radar um, and that it's not necessarily a long-term thing. I think Brandon Woodruff struggling though is a major problem for the Brewers long-term, but I'm not ready to push a panic button with Brandon until probably middle of June, July, June, start of July. Like if Brandon Woodruff is still bad at that time, I think then it's, there is a case to be made that you could go out and get a pitcher. And I know that sounds bizarre. You're like, Charlie, the Brewers pitching staff is what they're built on. And it's like, yes, but it's Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. If it's per- if it's Burns, Peralta, and Lauer, 
that's trusting a lot of young guys and then saying Woodruff is maybe a reliever or Woodruff is kind of used when you absolutely need him in the playoffs. To me, then you need that other guy. So then that probably would mean you trade guys. I do want to do like a Brewers trade value uh, podcast at some point. Um, I think in the next month or so, we'll, we'll get into that. That's kind of, as I told Mitch, as I've told some other people, like those are sort of the fun topics that I want to do a little bit more of be as we're in a little bit of a dull dull period. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. Like this is not going to be as exciting as the Bucks playoff a little bit, right? So I, I think that's something that we will plan to do um, in the next month. Uh, the middle relief is suspect at best. I um, don't really like anything I've seen from the middle relief. Um, Trevor Gott was good for a while, and Trevor Gott has struggled. Um, he's kind of hit a wall there. He was, I think he pitched last night. He was good last night, but he, he has had some, some struggles. Brent Suter's been shaky at best. I know he got out of his jam on, on Tuesday as well, but I don't really know who your sixth and seventh inning guys are right now. I think Brad Boxberger's been okay. I mean, one bad pitch to Marcelo Zuna. It, it was the last pitch. Like there is a definite, what if that game could have easily been one, nothing to the Braves favor and the Brewers could have kept putting pressure on and maybe had a chance, but yeah, it, it's disappointing that you couldn't you couldn't get out of that. And I think Boxberger's been okay, uh, but he's definitely again good, not great. And I do have some questions about that middle relief and are you able to bridge the gap to Williams and Hader? And speaking of Williams, he's been he's been all right. Like he, he's had some really bad starts. He's had some really good starts. He was really good on mon- on Monday. So you just kind of hope that everything evens out for Devin Williams. I, I do think he felt the pressure of last season of sort of the criticism and the scrutiny he got for punching a wall and missing the playoffs. I think that was a big deal for a lot of people. And Devin's trying to kind of win that back. And I, I, think, I think at this point, you kind of have to forgive and forget. It's been a long time. I don't think it's indicative of anything he's doing at this point. But I do think as he's getting older in his career, more people are figuring out what what he's about, whether it's a changeup, fastball, and just understanding that they don't need to chase at everything for Devin Williams. Moving on to the Brewers offense. So the Brewers offense has been a little bit better. Um, They have obviously struggled the last two games. Uh, They scored a combined one run uh, after... You know, they had a really good Miami game where they scored seven. But even that Miami series, they struggled to put up runs. Uh, I think they had three on Saturday and they had two on Friday. So it it has been a little bit of a struggle here in the last week or so for the Brew Crew. Uh, But they've they've had some good moments. Um, Christian Yelich, kind of back. I feel like that's always the case with Christian Yelich, right? It's not necessarily he is fully the best player on the team. But this has been a good start to the season for Yelch. Not an all-star star start for Yelch, but it's a good start for Yelch. He's been he's definitely been producing enough where I don't think there's any consternation about Christian Yelch. And that's good to see. And hard hit balls continue to happen um, with him. So I think that we're all all okay with what Yelch is doing. I don't I don't know if we'll ever get MVP Yelch again, uh, but we'll we'll have to see. 
Willie Adamas uh, is a star. He strikes out too much, but that's okay. Um, he's he's been really good this year. Um, he's bad. His batting average is very low, um, but he has been able to have nine home runs. He's had some big home runs for the Brewers. Um, definitely has a crazy amount of power on pace for 35 home runs. But you need to see that average kind of tick up, right? 208 is not great. Um, I know it's early, still kind of early in the baseball season. But yeah, you at least need Willie at about 250. And while the homers are great, doubles are also good. It kind of brings back the Carlos Gomez vibes. And I've said before that Willie is a souped up version of Gogo. And him hitting 208, nine home runs, that feels very Gogo ash ass for, for Adonis. So hopefully Adonis can kind of find his groove from just a hitting perspective after he gets back from this ankle injury. As he's dealing with an ankle sprain, uh, he's at least out till Friday. I think the Brewers will make a decision before Friday's game whether they're going to put him on the IL or if Willie Adams is going to play. I hope he plays because it's his bobblehead on Sunday, so there should be a packed house for Adamas and the Brew Crew. Ride to Les when I had a massive April tear. Um, really great three-week for Rowdy. Um, he's still hitting the ball all right, but he's slowed down a bit in May. Uh, Rowdy has had trouble you know, putting balls over the fence. A lot of warning track power. Now, some people are saying that this is due to the deadening of the ball and that Rowdy really should have a few more home runs and he's been unlucky. So maybe that evens out. Maybe the balls get a little bit more, a little less deadened uh, once the weather gets nicer and you're not dealing with you're cooped up in a dome or something like that or you're wearing long sleeves outside at a place. So maybe Rowdy's going to get an opportunity to have a massive June. It would not surprise me if all of a sudden the balls start flying as the weather gets warmer. Speaking of guys who've hit dingers, uh, Hunter Renfro has been awesome in terms of that category. I've actually really liked kind of some of his hitting. I don't think he is as much of a strikeout guy as people made him out to be. Um, he's hitting 240. Um, he's had some really nice hitting, uh, you know, whether it's going the other way or taking somebody deep. He's not just like a lefty specialist either. He does hit lefties well, but it's not like it's just lefties that he's hitting home runs against. Uh, Lorenzo Cain might be washed. That's a really tough thing to deal with. I like Lorenzo Cain, but man, I don't see it. I don't know. I don't necessarily know what you do with Lorenzo Cain. Uh, I. I think it's a really tough conversation for the Brewers because he's a leader in that clubhouse. Um, but he, I don't know, he's not necessarily an everyday player. He's barely been able to do anything. And he's hitting, I think, like 180. Um, he had a moment in the game on Tuesday where he had a base loaded, two outs, and he first pitch swung a slow grounder at first base. That was it. And now, I have no problem with Lorenzo Cain attacking the first pitch. That's something Lorenzo Cain has done throughout his career. But it seems like the game is passing him by, which is really tough. It's always awkward with baseball. I swear. I swear to you. Like, football, it's it's kind of like you can hide the guy. Can't really hide four at-bats, no matter what. And because Andrew McCutcheon has been out, and that was my last point, is that he's been missed. Oh, I had actually another one after that. He's been missed, and the combination of McCutcheon being out with COVID, he should be back Friday, hopefully. McCutcheon being out with COVID plus Lorenzo Cain's struggles have been a, a bad combination. So maybe once McCutcheon comes back, 
Lorenzo Cain plays a little bit less, and that actually helps the Brewers and makes the Brewers a much better team. But yeah, Lorenzo Cain has to be improved from an offensive perspective. Their depth still is a problem. Um, I think the reason the Braves won the World Series is because they loaded up with depth in their outfield and just had a bunch of guys they could throw at you, whether it was Soler, whether it was Adam Duvall, whether it was Eddie Rosario. They could keep coming at you with different guys. And it was a way to replace Acuna as well as to bolster their team in general. The Brewers need to do something similar. Um, they right now do not have a bench. It's Omar, it's you know, whoever isn't catching, so Navarez or Carantini, it's Jace Peterson or Mike Brousseau, it's Tyrone Taylor. It's just I I don't I don't see a lot of it right now. And I think the Brewers need to improve that bench or at least get an established guy to play DH. I think that would help with a bench issue a little bit because then you can rotate guys to play DH, whether that's McCutcheon, whether that's somebody else. I think, you know, I understand that Keston Hura is not necessarily getting a lot of playing time, but I do think there is a case for Keston Hura. I think Keston Hura is outplayed AAA, so it's whether you trade Keston Hura for middle relief help, which I wouldn't hate. Like, the Brewers, remember, this was right around the time where they traded for Willie Adamas. I would not be surprised if they deal Keston Hura to a team that A, needs some help offensively, but B, might have some pitching available for the Brewers that could help their their relief. I could certainly see it. It would not surprise me in the slightest. Um, I just think Keston Hura is too good for AAA, but I don't know if he's good enough to be an everyday starter right now for the Brewers. I do think at some point Keston Hura will break out. He will be amazing. I hope it, do- I hope it happens with the Brewers, but I'm highly skeptical of that. So that's the Brewers in a nutshell. Um, that's what we, we have so far. Um, we will try to keep you updated on the Brewers as we have daily taps. Um, we'll figure out a fun segment to do for the Brewers. As for the Eastern Conference Finals, um, like I said, I was at the game, so I didn't watch this. I'll, I'll hand up, I'll admit that right now to you. But still, with the box score, with some of the highlights seen, it poured a lot of salt in the wound if you're a if you're a Bucks fan. Because there was a lot of things that happened in this one where you're like, fuck, there the opportunity was definitely there for for the Bucks had they been healthy, right? Jimmy Butler absolutely tore up the Boston Celtics. Jimmy Butler had 41 points, nine rebounds, five assists, four steals, three blocks. 17 made free throws. An all-time game from Jimmy Butler. Like, I mean, that is a phenomenal game from Jimmy Buckets. Now, Jimmy Butler has an interesting history, I guess, with the state of Wisconsin, right? I think there are people here who are Marquette fans, who are Bucks fans, or they're Marquette fans first, Bucks fans second, where they still really like Jimmy Butler, where they still have a lot of love for Jimmy Butler because he was really great at Marquette, and he was good to the university. He has a decent relationship with them. I think the Buzz Williams thing was hard for him. And I think he kind of excommunicated himself a little bit during that time uh, when Buzz left. But Jimmy's kind of back in the fold. So there, there is a lot of respect and admiration for him. For me as a Bucks fan and a Marquette fan, it's really hard to cheer for Jimmy Butler. Like I can find myself cheering for Jimmy Butler if I watch the Heat and I have nothing on the other side. Like The Bucks aren't playing. I'm all right, but 
the guy to me is still a little bit of an asshole, still a little bit of a guy that has kind of made his bed. And I, I think people give him a pass, especially in the Marquette community. But regardless, what Jimmy did is easily what Chris Middleton could have done. Now, would Chris Middleton have had 41 points? No, no. Okay, maybe not. But Chris Middleton easily could have got buckets against this this Boston team. And that's extremely frustrating. That's extremely frustrating to watch and say, all right, this could have been there. This could have absolutely been there for the Bucs, all right? But the Bucs didn't even have a guy like Gabe Vincent step up, right? Like Gabe Vincent had 17 points and he only had 10, 10 shots overall. He had three made threes. Like the Bucs didn't necessarily get that. They didn't get a Gabe Vincent. They didn't get, or Gabe Vincent, excuse me. They didn't get a 18.8 rebound performance from Tyler Hare or from any bench player. Uh, they were 30 of 34 from the free throw line. They got to the free throw line a ton in this game. Now, much of that was aided by Jimmy Butler. They also nearly set a playoff record for blocks. Um, Bam Adebayo had four. He really wasn't that effective in this game. Um, but they, they definitely got a lot there and put 118 on Boston. Uh, Milwaukee didn't do anything close to that. And this supposed best defense... Now, I, I do expect, there's a couple caveats here. Number one, they didn't have Marcus Smart, they didn't have Al Horford. That's number one. Number two, it's the fact that the Boston Celtics have to be exhausted. And that was my primary worry if the Bucs were to move on, is that the Miami Heat are well-rested. There's, real there's a real chance you would go down 2-0 in this series. Now, I'm not saying that Boston will lose the series. Um, they're down 2-0, I still think they can come off the mat and win this series. But I do think that it, it's a tough hill to climb after a grueling seven-game series with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so I, I think you saw that in the fourth, third quarter, right? It was the back-to-back stuff. Mitch and I, have, I think, have talked about this on the podcast. But one of the things Mitch and I have noticed with back-to-back teams sometimes is you basically have a hot first half you basically are still feeling good from that back-to-back. And then the third quarter, fourth quarter, it all it all just goes to shit. It all just sort of leaves your body. And it's like, okay, now we're out of gas. And now we have nothing left. And the other team sort of pulls away and wins wins the game. The other frustrating thing as a Bucks fan is the fact that they were really pressuring the hell out of the Celtics. So the Celtics have had some dribbling issues in the past. Tatum had seven turnovers in this game. Uh, the, they really applied pressure early and often. And they basically didn't do what the Bucks kind of went away from. Like the Bucks did it in the first two games. And the Bucks were like, oh no, after getting blown out in game two, they're like, oh, we can't pressure this much. We can't do this. Um, and whether that is the Bucks saying, hey, we were tired, we were w- worn out, we can't, this is not sustainable. Or if it was a decision by Mike Boonholzer to go with George Hill over Javon Carter, that still sticks out like a sore thumb. The fact that they didn't use Javon Carter as a Jose Alvarado is going to, I think, irk Bucks fans all summer. And it's going to create some uncertainty with Bud. And I do wonder if, again, there is a little bit of friction going on right now. I, I have no source on this. It's more just me projecting. Um, I, asked, I actually asked somebody to see if they could get me some intel on that because I'm like, all right, I need to now know if I'm right or wrong because I... I've developed this 
I wouldn't even say conspiracy theory. It's more of a just a theory in general on why on why things might have went a little sideways for the Bucks, especially with a lot of the old bud stuff. So yeah, it's it's not going to be fun to watch the East. Um, I don't think it's going to be fun to watch any of it. Like watching the West tonight, you're going to have a lot of people being like, "Well, Jason Kidd, like he was the Bucks coach. Like the Bucks could have Jason Kidd." I swear, if I see that or if you say that as a Bucks fan, delete your Twitter account. Okay, there's a lot more of that context. All right, people grow. I'm going to do this as a social media thing, so I, I don't want to do too much on it. So look for tapping the keg sports either this morning or early afternoon. But yeah, Jason Kidd, I don't think should get the flowers, if you will, about his Bucks tenure. He just grew up, he, you know, people change, that happens. Um, it happens with coaches all the time. Ask Bill Belichick, ask Pete Carroll. But yeah, I, I like Dallas a lot actually um, tonight. Um, I think Dallas is a five point dog. I do like that a lot. I like that not only as a spread, but I also kind of like the money line too. I just haven't really been that impressed with Golden State. And I, I just think sometimes you have the hot team and it takes Vegas a while sometimes to adjust that hot team. And I at least think Dallas can get one. Game ones are also weird. Um, and I, I just think Dallas is not going to necessarily have the same sort of gas, you're running out of gas problem that the Boston Celtics did. So we'll see what happens. I'll probably, hopefully, distance myself away from the Bucks at some point. I will do some Bucks stuff, maybe. We always talk about grades, and I never do them. Um, it's because it's like, oh, is that, you know, if you do it two weeks late, is that too late? Uh, but maybe we'll do some grading stuff for the Bucks. I realized that today was Wednesday, and we have the Wisconsin Trotsky, um, so we didn't necessarily planned for it um hand up i'll admit that um and i apologize but we will do the shotsky as let's just say three observations from miller park yesterday or american family field i was talking to my guy cappy yesterday about something else and he called uh he's getting married in a couple weeks which shot to him a live podcast from the list more just kidding uh but but he likes like oh yeah we have a nice snow tap table for you and I, you know, he was like, oh, I should say having a keg. Sorry, it's interchangeable. I use it like AmFam Miller Park. And I do the same thing. I was, I, so I, and I did it early in the show. And I was like, thought exactly about that comment that he had. Because I'm like, yeah, I just use them interchangeably. And it's not like I'm like, oh, anti-AmFam. No, I don't care. It's just sponsorships. It's just you're so, your, your brain is so ingrained to call it Miller Park. It'd be like if the Fiserv changed their name to something else. Or... I, Lambo would never, so I'm not even going to explore that. But if Pfizer suddenly changed their name to the BMO, the, it became the BMO Forum or something like that, I would probably still call it the Pfizer. And it's not like something that is this, like, I'm anti-BMO. It's just, I. it's ingrained in me. It's been drilled down. I mean, I've done how many fucking podcasts calling it Miller Park, so that's why... It does interchange. But yes, observations at AmFam Field as part of the Wisconsin Shotsky. So we'll pick three. Number one was my guy who was sitting next to me. Now, I have no problem, 100%. Someone wants to wear a mask at a baseball game, go ahead. Like, I get it. If you want to have fun, makes a ton of sense. Um, and I'm, I respect that. All right? And I know there's the BA2 variant that's going around right now. Um, it's, you know, not great, um, honestly. But it's, hopefully, I think a lot of people are kind of keeping their head about it and saying, all right, it's a cold. It's a really bad cold. It sucks. But it's not necessarily something that we should be freaking out over. 
So that said, uh, my man's next to me. He's wearing a tie-dyed hoodie. Um, might be a listener. If he is a listener, please reach out. Um, Murph joked. He's like, that guy's a technical listener. I'll buy, I'll buy beers for the entire section. But I guess what I, I didn't understand for my dude was he had a full row of seats. Uh, one row up. Like, we had no seats in front of us, right? Absolutely none. Anyone could have sat there. It was there for the taking. Yet, he decided to sit right next to us. You know, obviously, bathroom breaks, beer breaks, things like that. Um, and he decided to sit right next to us instead of just moving down one. Like, he could have been left the fuck alone. He was there by himself. He could have been left alone if he just sat one row Run road down. And, like, again, I didn't care. He kind of engaged with us. He, you could tell that he kind of wanted to be part of our group. Like, we, just, we were talking baseball, and he's like, ah. Oh. And I was like, dude, just jump in. Like, he, he was listening. Like, I was like, just jump in. Feel free. Add your, add your takes. I should have gave him. These are the moments, though, where I, like, need a QR code business card. Be like, hey, if you're, you like what you heard, like, we have a podcast. And I probably need to do that. Okay? I, and it's like. I don't know if that's douchey or not. Maybe this is a, a tapping the keg topic for another day. But, like, it is that douchey. So, if you listen to this and you're like, hey, if I had a QR code that basically was a link tree that gives you a subscription to either Apple or Spotify or a website, would that be douchey? Uh, please let me know. Um, it might be a larger topic some other time. So, yeah, that guy. And he also was, he wasn't keeping score. So, that's weird. So he had a notebook. It looked like he was going to like keep score with like how you keep score in baseball. But he was just taking notes on how every out happened. So does he go back and create have his own scorecard? Like, I don't know. I, I was, I was again, very fascinated by this dude. Maybe he works for the Brewers. Maybe that's that's it. And he was in like disguise. But I don't know. He was in like a tie-dyed shirt so I, or tie-dyed hoodie. He didn't necessarily look quote-unquote professional. But it, it, whatever, maybe, you know, I I wear a hoodie and shorts to work every day. So I, I don't know if I can really be the bastion of saying professionalism or not. Number two observation, Miller Park now has, or AmFam, there it is again. AmFam now has self-serving beer convenience uh, in their, all over their stadium. So basically it is a row of beers, you buy your beers and you check out. Now, there are vendors there in certain spots. So there are vendors there who are, I think, former, former like, you know, guys who would walk around the stadium. Pretty sure that's what it is. Like former beer vendors who are now sort of hanging out in the concession stands. What was really interesting is we were talking to one of the guys, bought four beers. Uh, we had four guys with us, bought four beers. Obviously, that's easy math there. But... So we're talking to him and, you know, there's like a tip screen and I tipped him like four bucks because it was like a $40. It was 40 fucking dollars. I'm not going to tip him like 20%. If you're like, hey, that's cheap. I don't know. He didn't do shit. I literally just picked up the beer. He opened the beer for us. That's it. All right. So he didn't do much. But we still want to tip the guy. So it was like, all right, this is a job. want to make sure that you're taken care of. And my guy Murph was like, well, what, what is like the biggest tip you got? And he's like, some guy bought 17 beers. I was like, holy shit. And he's like, yeah. And then he didn't realize that like tipping 20% was like a $40, $40 tip. He's like, I was set for the night. He's like, I'll never forget that. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. He's like, that be, and I think he mentioned like that, that I would never be able to do that walking around the stadium. Like I would never get that kind of tip 
walking around the stadium. So yes, I realize that it could take some jobs, but it's extremely efficient. When you just need a beer, you can just go back up there, go grab one. The lines are never really that long. You just go up, you grab your beer. It's great. I think it is a really welcomed addition to the stadium. Now, I didn't really walk around. I do kind of want to do that one of these days is go to a game and, you know, just do kind of walk the stadium. Um, hopefully get back there soon. Um, maybe I actually probably will try to go to the Padres series, I think, if I'm here. I think I'm here. Yeah, I'll be here that weekend. But, yeah, maybe try to make it out to the Padres game because that would be that would be kind of fun um, to see the – A, to see the Padres because they're one of the better teams – um, as well as, you know, maybe do a little bit of a tour of the stadium, see what's new, see what's out there. And like I said, you always get content from this. And then lastly, God bless people who get drunk on a Tuesday. All right. Like, I, I'm not here to shame. All right. But getting drunk at a stadium on a Tuesday is a special kind of drunk. There was a guy two rows back. And I don't know if where he was sitting because he wasn't there the entire game or if he had just kept drinking and then by the end he was just unfiltered but a he was with a kid i don't think it was his kid i think it was his buddy is either his brother or somebody else but man this guy was just talking all sorts of shit he was talking shit to the kid he was talking shit to his buddy he told a story about how he got searched at at customs and there was a dildo in his carry-on bag which i i like you have to laugh at that like that's just immediate laughter um, and I, I think his either his wife or girlfriend put it put it in there, um, and it wasn't even hers. It's like okay, bud, I get it. All right, no, no worries. If she wants to blast herself with a dildo, like by all means, like that's that's her her decision. Um, but at the same time, it was hilarious, and it was a punchy crowd. Like I, I think in general, like this is a, a you know goes past the drunk guy. Like there was actual like good energy there for a Tuesday night. And again, that could be the Braves, that could be a post-Bucks thing, that could be a lot of stuff. But I was really impressed with the crowd yesterday, um, and it was too bad that the Brewers didn't do shit offensively. And I don't know how many times I've went to a Brewer game, and they haven't scored a run. Um, I, ha- I feel like it happens way more often than, than it should. <laughs> um, so... Uh, that's that. Um, those are the observations from the Brewer game. Uh, Miller Amfam observations. God damn. I did that way too much today. Sorry about that. Uh, I apologize. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, not sure exactly what we're, what we're cooking up for tomorrow. Uh, we Maybe we'll do some schedule talk with Packers. Um, go through it. I know Murph kind of wanted to come on. Uh, but obviously trying to spend time with a wifey. Uh, so maybe Murph and I will jam about the podcast or the schedule, just run through it, um, and that'll be tomorrow's show. Um, and if anything else comes through the wire, we'll be make sure to talk about that, whether it's on here or on social, Tap the Keg Sports on Instagram, Tap the Keg on Twitter. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Wednesday. We'll talk tomorrow. See you. Bye.